the initial dance is to really get to know each other, to get to know what what motivates, what excites the other party, what what they're curious about, how we're curious about each other. So that first part is just kind of setting the tone. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. We're going to focus in today on a very important topic uh, for many leaders that relationships uh, really are integral to, and that's building strong partnerships, whether it's within your organization or with external stakeholders, strong, trusted relationships with those stakeholders can be the difference between the success or failure of a project. And my guest today is someone for whom those partnerships, both internally and externally, are key, uh, and who prides herself on being very strong at building them. And we want to tap into a few of those secrets today. She's the Worldwide Director of Technology Research and Innovation, uh, Oral Care and Global Devices at Colgate Palmolive. Uh, And as well as building the relationships within her role at Colgate Palmolive, she's also a passionate mentor, someone who believes avidly in getting children engaged with science from an early age. And and I think it'll be important to look uh, at partnerships from that aspect, as well as in her, her role with innovation at Colgate Palmolive. Uh, so my guest is Latonya Kilpatrick. Latonya, welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, and thank you very much for joining me. Oh, hi, Andy, and thanks for the invitation as well. Well, I'm delighted to, to, to have you on. I, I think, first of all, you've got a very impressive job title. Uh, we can all probably work out to a degree what that entails, but it'd be great to hear it from you. So can you just tell us a little bit about the type of work that you do and, and particularly with a, a, a focus on, on the role that partnerships um, play in, in what you're trying to achieve? So I'm a scientist at heart. I uh, received my PhD a little over 30 years ago from, from Princeton University. I'm a chemist by training. And my, my title involves um, me leading a group of very talented um, multidiscipline researchers um, at Colgate Palmolive and our quest to develop be- better oral care for the globe. So we're scientists that research um, in areas of oral biology and devices and products to help people improve their oral health. So when it comes to building partnerships, I talked about internally and externally. What does that look like in that role? I mean, I I touched on, well, well, your your job title talks about innovation. And I think that's something we're really going to need to look at. But, But just share, you know, internal relationships and partnerships and external, which are the key ones for you? So, you know, one group, one person can't do everything. So we pride ourselves in identifying opportunities um, and learnings that people are bringing to our group to help us do a better job. So that's a lot. What, what I mean. We are very fundamental focused. We understand what's going on in the mouth very well. 
it takes time for us to build that expertise at Colgate. There are other people in the organization that put our learnings and incorporate them into products that consumers intuitively enjoy, can use, have a pleasant taste, um, have a a nice mouthfeel, and they can easily manipulate. Outside of the organization, there might be um, people in academia that understand how to analyze data better, that are big data people, that when they get big swaths of data, they build algorithms to do something better with them. We might not have that capability in-house. We might choose not to build that capability in-house. We might say, you know, you guys have this expertise. How can we partner to get the best of both so that we're getting the end result that we are trying to achieve? I think you've touched on on a key point there, and that is sometimes and, and probably quite often it makes sense to just bring in the expertise you need on a project by project basis rather than trying to build a team that covers all of the bases. Is that very much the approach that you're taking? We and and that's exactly it. We have to make decisions on is it better to build or is it better to partner? And we do that um, on a project by project basis. How do you make those decisions? So a lot of it depends on um, whether we see within the organization the need for that competency beyond that project. If we think this is a long-term investment where it's a value to really have strong capability in-house, we'll decide to build. We'll decide, and that brings up the other challenge, is Sometimes when you're doing something different within within an organization, those outside that you need to help you come in and build aren't even aware that you exist and don't appreciate that um, how they can add value to, to, to the role and how they can grow within your organization. So it's time spent to explain the need and go to those areas where those people, you can find the people and encourage them to come. Um, so that takes a lot of time and energy, so you must be very um, committed that this is a long-term investment that you that is going to be useful for the company. The other side is relatively easy. This might be very fundamental for this particular project or two. The expertise was, was in this group. Um, it, it, it's, it is a best value to just work as a partner to achieve these very short-term goals and move on from there. I, I want to talk uh, and go into uh, more depth in terms of what makes a good partnership and how you build a good partnership. I think to start with, it would be interesting to look at how you build uh, a strong partnership where you, you you really understand each other and you, you, you end up speaking the same language with people who from the beginning speak a different language to you. So you talked about being scientists and bringing in people who are data analysts, for example. I would imagine, and I might be wrong, but I would imagine that there are times when you have to partner with people who are marketing experts. And scientists and marketing experts, I think most people can appreciate, have a very different worldview and speak very different uh, languages. So how do you approach that? How do you build... A, a, a partnership where you start communicating in the same way with each other and really understanding each other? So it's it takes time. So um, the initial dance is to really get to know each other, to get to know 
what what motivates, what excites the other party, what what they're curious about, how we're curious about each other. So that first part is just kind of setting the tone, right? And then the second part is, I don't. It really is what is what's in it for me, right? So, how can I value from this partnership? How can the other person value for that partnership? And sometimes um, each party, the person that you're addressing, you have an idea, but through the conversation, other ideas kind of percolate. And when you get that uh, co-design, co-building going on into what this could be. That really is the best kind of partnership because people are, the two partners are in it for the same reason and both are seeing value from coming together. So, so let's move from the theoretical into the, the, the actual. Uh, can you just ex- give us a couple of examples of where yeah. you, you've, 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 you've created partnerships that have made a massive impact on the work that you're doing and how they came about and what made them successful? So, I don't know. If I'll, I'll, some of this, I can't say the names because we have That's confidentiality yeah. agreements yeah. in place. Um, but I will say that um, uh, sometimes companies want to get into our industry. And they might not have the manpower or the experience of talking to regulatory or understanding how to design clinical studies to get the data necessary to come into this industry. So um, we help people understand oral care and the different metrics associated with oral care. Try it's hard to do when you can't say the company. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and these companies might be very good in the health space. So the overall systemic health space, they know how to take blood pressure, they know what to do with blood, they know how to do these very health-related measurements. Nobody, when they're looking at health, thinks about oral care as a part of your health. And when you're analyzing the condition of your teeth, you use entirely different metrics. And so people that are, for example, building clinical trial management um, digital processes, they know nothing about oral care and they don't know how to include that into their systems. So we help them because we need those digital measurements to do our studies. Um, I mean, they, we help them incorporate this because we need them. And then they can go out and basically sell to now more people because now they have this new capability. That's one kind of example of what we've done um, in the past um, without sharing news. It's a really interesting example for me. So one of the battles that I've always had over the course of my career is that my expertise lies in a subject area, not in in an industry. I didn't have a career in an industry specifically before I I came into this world. Uh, And I work across sector. And I remember when I first... My first or second client uh, was Merrill Lynch, and I was working with wealth managers, and I started reading books on wealth management, which really weren't for me. And um, someone turned around and said, Andy, we don't expect you to, re- to know our, uh, our stuff to that degree. That's not what we're bringing you in for. 
And I work cross-sector now, and I'm working with a healthcare company at the moment where I am having to learn a lot about what they do, but I do it as I go along. And it is that, that partnership where I bring my expertise to the table, they bring their knowledge of their sector, and we bring the two together. And as we do that, I learn a bit more, but it's enough to deliver what I need to deliver. And I'm not pretending to be something I'm not. Does that sound similar to the type of relationship you're building with these companies? It's 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 totally there. And 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 if we talk internally, I can easily talk in internally. Yeah. Um. We we do a lot of product development um, and a lot of um, upscaling into manufacturing plants internally, right? And each person working in those areas has a skill and knows how to do that. Um, we, in my area, do not have experience going to a pilot plant or going to a manufacturing plant and understand the processes involved in that. We, in most of our area, when we are collecting data, don't have the digital skills, the software skills to build programs. So internally, we have to work with our global information and technology teams to build that software, to, and they need to understand how, we need, how we're going to use that software and what capabilities that we have, and we have to work with our product development teams to actually make the product. So internally, it works very similarly, and sometimes it's just as difficult <laughs> to form the partnership internally as it is to form the partnership externally, but it's the same exact process. Andy's new book, Just Ask, Why Seeking Support is Your Greatest Strength, is out now. Looking at the importance of asking for help and admitting vulnerability, it is an essential read in challenging times. Order your copy from Amazon and all good book retailers now, or visit andylapata.com forward slash just ask so so when you look at the the, the similarities and the differences between building re, uh, relationships and partnerships internally and externally um would you say that you have the same challenge where you have to get talk discuss, speaking in the same language as each other and find that commonality even though you you, you work for the same organization I mean, we're going to the the world of silo thinking aren't we here 100 percent, and it wasn't it wasn't as apparent to me how much the same it was until we started talking to our global information technology, the IT guys. And it was so clear that we were speaking very different languages and how we understood what what each party was doing was totally incorrect. And it was, it was those initial steps of really just spending the time um, trying to learn what each one was, what we were trying to achieve and how they could best help us achieve that goal. So instead of going to the solution, we spent a lot of time understanding the problem and what we actually needed. And only then could we start working together to, 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 to um, start the process of what the solution would look like. Was there a moment there where the penny dropped for you um, and you, you both realized, actually, we need to change our approach here? So my level of frustration, probably my nonverbals are <laughs> very apparent. And I must say that the, the IT partner that eventually came into the picture, um, 
somehow he captured, somehow he could re-say, he could re-capture what I was trying to say. And I knew it was, I knew, yes, this is the one that gets me. Because all along, sometimes you, you have to say it's me. I, I'm seeing out of one lens and what is coming out of my mouth is not translating to the other person. How can I say this differently so the other person understands where I'm trying to go so that at least we know we're on the same page, even though, even though there's not a solution, we're on the same page. So it, 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 the, it took a while to get to that point where I understood I had to change how I was talking about things for someone else to understand where, where, where they, I wanted them to go. That's 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 a really interesting observation. I think we can get so bogged down and 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 as you've indicated, so frustrated when people aren't following what we see as clear and obvious. Um, that it, it it ends up creating real barrier between two parties. And I know you know we 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 had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, um, and and one of the things that became really clear in our conversation is the importance of trusting those relationships um, to you. And, and that's going to be a barrier to trust. So can you, you know, again, without giving away anything confidential, can you talk about how did that, that communication breakdown impact your ability to trust each other? And when you talk, when you change the narrative, change the way you spoke, did that lead to a deeper relationship? So I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say that particular example broke down trust because I could tell the other person was trying. So yeah. it, it was a mutual attempt to um, to get to where we were where we were trying to go. I think what breaks down trust is if uh, I'm trying to think of a a, a a good example. And we 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 had a what we call a connect survey at our company, it's where people give feedback and 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 different areas and. People on my team, um, they are at they are very upstream in the process. They 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 generate ideas. They demonstrate how these ideas can um, impact uh, performance, but they are not the ones that puts everything together and sells to the. And sometimes I think in my team. Trust has been trust has been broken because they are not recognized for what they do, and they're extremely frustrated um, how they can get recognized. And we we were talking about well, who needs to recognize is because you know within the department we try to recognize. Um, and and they were saying, but it's layers above. Right? We want people once it gets out to know that we were part of this, and we were a big part of this because if it wasn't for us, this other thing wouldn't be out there. So I think there's a level of trust even in that type of partnership because everything is matrixed within an organization now. That if the full team, the full team is not recognized for accomplishment. And if it's done many times this way, trust is just very much damaged. And it and once that trust is damaged, it's, it's, it's taking a lot to get people motivated, to keep, 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 keep people excited, to keep people wanting to continue to contribute. 
they they are because it's their job. Uh, but uh, I don't. I think from that, I think trust is is is, is dwindling right now. Yeah. I, I, reflecting on what you're saying, I, I'm thinking back across two years of the Connected Leadership podcast, and I can't remember us really talking about appreciation. Enough, <laughs> certainly not enough. I, it's something I talk about in 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 my talks and training. You know, when when you want people to help you, you you have to feed back and you have to appreciate. Uh, one of the other things that I've talked about is too often people focus on communicating with the key person who's their key contact or with the senior leaders because they're deemed as important. Uh, and there's this layer that the, in, in one sense, I call them the implementers, the people on the ground doing the work who get overlooked a lot of the time. And I just think it's a really interesting illustration that we haven't talked about on this podcast before, that importance of appreciation. Would you say that in building successful partnerships internally and externally that knowledge of who's involved in the process and going out of your way to acknowledge them is is, is a game changer we we sh that is almost the number one thing always say thank you always recognize um, members of the team that contribute no matter what aspect they contributed in because uh, we we say it's the death of a thousand cuts right one time people might forgive you. It was a, it was a, you know, mishap, but multiple times it just, it doesn't work. So, so what is always top of my mind is I'm, I try to overthink, 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 thank everybody because I don't want to forget anybody that was a part of the process. Yeah. I like that overthink, overthink, and overthink. You can't overthink, can you? It's, you know, you show your appreciation as long as it's, uh, as long as people see it's genuine and authentic. Uh, which, which, which comes on to, to my next question because one of the things that came up in, in our previous conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago was, it was really clear to me that transparency is important to you in building. Uh, strong partnerships. So can you just talk about that a little bit and, and it, you know, in what circumstances that comes up, how it shows its face and how you ensure you get, you, you get the balance right? Because you've just shown how you can't be transparent all the time. Yeah. You have yeah. to keep certain confidences. So how do you get the balance right? So, so I'll talk externally now. So most, most times we have agreements in place externally and, um, because we're a company, they're non-confidential agreements, and 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 it's IP related, so it's intellectual property related, and there's a lot of effort to go into who owns that intellectual pro, um, um, product once everything is complete. So, a lot of that transparency is in the beginning during the agreement writing. So, so I'm not a lawyer, so we work with our legal partners and, and, and they're protecting the company and they make sure we understand everything that's going into the agreement. But it's also important for the other side to understand, look, either we brought this idea to you, we brought this, we're, we're paying you money for this, um, we are helping you think through this process. So when your legal team stands up and says, we want to own everything, and we need to come to some kind of a, alignment on what we're actually going to do so that it makes sense for both parties. And so, sometimes that it just doesn't move. 
because we can't get to that common alignment. Other examples are, okay, we, we are in the middle of a project and um, we need more money for whatever reason. More money is required. Um, and I've now dealing with this situation where mo more money is required because the other party did not do over over promise. Let's just say they over promised and um, they now need more money because they can't achieve their objectives because they over promised. And so I, I basically had to tell them, look, the agreement says, and because the agreement says you have to reach this milestone before any other payment is made, um, you have to wait. So I've, I've been in situations where people don't respond, people um, don't reply to emails. And to me, bad news doesn't mean you don't respond. Bad news just means we have to have a discussion of the why. We have to kind of work out timetables. If we have to, if we have to pivot and do something different, let's talk about it. But it doesn't mean you're not sharing any anything that's contributing to why, why we have to pivot, or there's no no reply. I've been in a lot of situations where it's just no no. It's like someone's ghosting you. I'm like, that's not that's not good yeah I, i've always felt that you you shouldn't judge people by the mistakes they make but the, by the way they respond uh to those mistakes have you found that you've actually ended up with a deeper and a stronger relationship with people where something's gone wrong but they've responded in in the right way they've taken ownership of it they've made it right or in, in the, the the job that you're doing or what you're trying to achieve when something goes that wrong it, it, it can cause irreparable damage. If something goes wrong, I mean, things happen. It's how you manage that wrong that makes the relationship. So, so far in my career, I cannot say that I've had anything where I've totally said, you know, I, I can't work with this body, this person anymore because of some action that they've done. So most people are very professional and we have conversations because not everything goes as planned. So we've been able to have conversations about, you know, what's next. And it's usually the people that I deal with are the people that have the mutual interest in having things go well. You can't control who's over them. And usually that's where the problem lies. Um, so so far, I, I don't have an example of where okay. I really shut off a relationship because something's gone wrong. Yeah. Have, have there been times when you've not pursued a relationship from the beginning because it doesn't feel right to you? Oh, yeah. I'm doing it now. So <laughs> I really I really have an interest in this project that we had a relationship with this partner before. And they had gone to the point of, proving that their device could deliver things uh, in the tooth. They could push things in the tooth. And they had done that um, in vitro. And where they are, they, they now have come back and they've said, let's, let's do a clinical, a clinical study to show that we can do this in the mouth. And I've, I am now, <laughs> we're going back and forth because I'm in my head, I'm trying to find that win-win for both. 
I'm trying to find what would Colgate like to see pushed in that we could use if it was successful to make a business from? Because this is their IP, so we're gonna, it's not gonna be cheap. And so we have to do something that's that's a gap that's really spectacular. And they basically just want to do the study to show that their system works. So it's it's right now I'm on the fence because I I haven't figured out from our end what makes sense. Um, and so we we are just kind of and probably I'm going to say we're not ready yet and we can't support you right now because we it does we don't have anything that makes sense at this at this point. And then there was another example where we've we've had a long standing relationship with this one um, partner and they wanted us to sponsor something. And again, it just did not align with how we could leverage the sponsorship. So I had to say no. Yeah. Both, both examples uh, seem to go back to one of your earliest answers here, uh, which is about speaking the same language and understanding what the other party wants um, and I was going to ask you you know uh, obviously you work for one of the most recognizable brand names in the world I'm sure that there are many organizations of all t- all sizes who would love to get on your radar love to work with you I interviewed and I've interviewed him a number of times over the years a guy called Phil Jones who's a um, CEO of Brother UK the printer uh, company and and we've talked in the past about how people get in front of him. And he, Phil comes from a sales background. He was a sales and marketing director before becoming MD. And it is, it's always about, well, do your research first. Understand what I'm going to be interested in and, and present it in that way. Do you find that people who are approaching you to suggest a partnership do you find that the majority do that? They do their research. They do present it from a perspective that makes sense to you or are too many still pitching you from what they want? The people that actually, I think, get to us to actually share uh, what they have, they've done their research. They under, they understand They understand the opportunity. I think for some, what they don't appreciate is the value of the opportunity. So they see Colgate as, you know, this global brand and for us, oral care brand for me. But how to communicate whatever added value they have that they feel the consumer would appreciate the dollars for that technology in that product might, it doesn't, that's the piece that always is over, they haven't, they have an over opinion of. It's not accurate. It's not accurate. So that's the biggest challenge sometimes when people come in. So if you were to guide someone who wanted to uh, put an idea forward, uh, to be able to do the full research and get to that point before they do that, how would you suggest they go about it? How can they put it into the right perspective? Yeah, so a lot of times these researchers are scientists or they're engineers, 
and they're putting product together based on the scientific principles and, and engineering principles. And we have no doubt that whatever they're sh- sharing with us technically works. People behavior is something totally different. And what people uh, choose to spend their money on and the price they choose to pay for that is irrational. It's incredibly irrational. Um, so if you talk anything about um, health, health-related things, oh, your gums bleed, right? Oh, you're at risk for getting caries. Because they are processed, caries definitely, a slow process is people can't tell whether they're getting a benefit or not benefit. Gum bleeding, for whatever reason, people don't care that their gums bleed. They think it's their brush and they will only pay a nominal amount. And distinguishing, because everything is a toothpaste, distinguishing one toothpaste from another toothpaste requires a lot of effort, a, a, a lot of commercial effort. However, whitening, people will pay hundreds of dollars <laughs> their teeth white, right? And so anything that we might do, we know we have a lot more elasticity for whitening, maybe even breath freshening is another one, but definitely for whitening um, that uh, we can consider. So if there's something that people pitch that we can demonstrate ease of use, fast whitening, people see the result quickly, they can monitor. That's that's a conversation that's an easier, there, there, it's, if someone really has something, it's a little bit more, you know, re- they, they, the technology cost can be a little bit more flexible. The other things are definitely where we have to partner more with the professional, make sure the professional is engaged and agrees with um, what we're trying to do. I'll, I'll share because it's out. We have one of the best anti-cavity toothpaste on the market. People seem not to care. It has two actives in it. We sell it all over the world. We couldn't figure out how to convince people to purchase this product um, because we couldn't get over that barrier that a toothpaste is a toothpaste is a toothpaste and it's just anti-cavity and why should I? And Yeah. <laughs> It feels like we've traveled full circle with this because it goes back to the scientists having a particular area of expertise. But in order to get over that barrier, you need the commercial expertise. You need the people knowledge, the market knowledge to bring it all together and and creating the partnerships to create the perfect proposition effectively. So as we've gone full circle with that, let's let's come out of that circle and come out of your your role um, and just finish off by by talking about the passion that I touched on in the introduction. And that's your your passion to get children engaged in science at an early age. So why is that so important to you? I I hear about this a lot. What is the challenge there Um, and how do your partnership building skills come into play in achieving it? So I think kids are naturally curious. And in their early ages, they are excited to feel, touch, learn um, anything you're to share. So I try to get with them there and I try to share with them the things that you are doing in your normal day-to-day, how science is kind of integrated in that. Because as they get older, they, they, there's a point where they have to choose. And if they don't continue with their math, and they don't continue with their science classes, 
and they don't con- continue asking questions and, and, and reading, the choice is going to be made for them before they even graduate from, from high school, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's why. And so I, I so I, I know this is a podcast. I'm an African-American woman and getting black kids in STEM related fields is very difficult. Um, and so I feel I have a duty to show <laughs> that I'm a scientist. I'm a normal person. I, uh, I hopefully can talk to them in the way that they understand and appreciate and excite them about the opportunity early on so that they continue with their math, even when it gets more difficult and their science courses, even when it gets more difficult because the opportunities are much greater than they can appreciate um, as kids in high school. So I, I, I don't, I didn't know what I didn't know until after I got out. I was very lucky that I had uh, my doc, my dad's a doctor. So I, he's the one that pushed me towards the science. If I didn't have him, probably wouldn't be a scientist, but I, and I had an excellent chemistry teacher in high school. That was just the craziest teacher, but he did some fantastic things to encourage. So I, I try to emulate that, um, with kids. That's my passion. Yeah. And what are you doing to achieve that? And how are you partnering with organizations in order to spread the word? So I have a, um, I, she's become my friend. I don't, I actually don't know how she found me, but in our local school district, I work with the elementary schools. Every elementary school usually has a science day. Um, and so um, with the American Chemical so- Society and with this partner that I have in Princeton, I go into the classrooms. I usually focus on oral care and I try to talk about healthy teeth. I bring eggs in and I tell kids, oh, this is why you shouldn't, you know, as you eat your lemon, you shouldn't keep your lemon wedge on your teeth. And I, 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 I share with them that this basically egg is made of a, just basically very something similar to what your teeth are made of and look how soft it is now after exposure to it. So I try to do those kinds. I talk about baking and the chemistry of baking. So those things that they can relate to, um, to kind of get them to see that, look, you're doing science every day. You just don't realize you're doing science and it can be somewhat rewarding by, by doing it that way. And and what you're doing is exactly what you talked about from a business perspective, you're adapting your language to something that they'll understand. Uh, And that's something we need to do in building communication between people uh, in in all aspects of our lives. So it's a really nice uh, illustration of that. Um, Latonya, I I really appreciate you joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Uh, Really interesting insights into the work that you're doing and the importance of of partnerships. And I think there's a lot of lessons for people that are applicable in a range of different environments in the workplace. So thank you so much for joining me. I thank you too, Andy. Thanks for reaching out. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much to Latonya for joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Um, As I said, I think it was really interesting to get that perspective and and those key points about adapting language, understanding where the other person is coming from, doing the research um, so that you can present exactly what the other person needs to hear. Uh, are absolutely key and, uh, and they're, they're topics and threads that, that I think will be reflected throughout many of our conversations. 
Um, but but there's also this. Uh, I, I love the fact that the Sonia talked about gratitude and gratitude for the people that aren't necessarily obvious. Really, really pleased that that was raised because, it, as I said, it is something that I teach, but I don't think we've talked about on the podcast in two years. Um, and, and if you've got one takeaway, make it that one because that's something to add to the list rather than reinforce what we've already talked about. Uh, really valuable conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please share the love, let people know about it, particularly those people in STEM subjects who will really relate to it. Uh, and join us again soon on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great connected leadership tips.